The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him from the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow. fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath, you 
have a choice to make in life. Turn away from all your sin and believe on the risen Christ. You can find peace in Him. From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm Nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing is impossible for our God. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I want to say it again. I want it to sink into your heart. I want it deep in your heart. Nothing is impossible for our God. We stand today right on the edge of eternity. We can hear the galloping of the hooves of the third horse of the apocalypse. The great reset is taking place before our eyes. A constant drumbeat in the media so that you have a front row seat to this third horse of the apocalypse found in Revelation, the sixth chapter. The black horse is racing across the world. Food shortages are coming. Yea, even are here in many parts of the world. People are already hungry and starving. A great financial reset is taking place right before our eyes, as the beast power does all that it must do in order for it to rise up and take total control of the world. And it will have total control for three and one-half years, according to the scriptures. We're on the front row. When the fourth horse comes the pale horse, there will be death and destruction and hell. And many of us who are Christians will be martyred for our faith in Jesus Christ. And if you read Revelation, the sixth chapter, you will see Yea, even the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Coming not secretly, but in the clouds of glory during the first three and a half years of the tribulation. That's simply what I read as I read the scriptures for what it says. Today I need to look honestly with you at at what's happening in the church. 
and in the world. It's very clear that the church has endeavored with its money, its education, its marketing, its seduction. It has tried to grow a great church in America and around the world. Unfortunately, for the most part, it has become an apostate church. And the presence of God has departed. The lampstand has been taken away. Now, why did I open today saying nothing is impossible for our God? Because God can come and redeem his church. I know before his great coming, that is very soon, he will redeem his church. There will be a great revival where a message of repentance will go forth over America and over the world. And there will be a great moving of the Holy Spirit. Now, most of you, and for the most part, me, have only seen glimmers of the Holy Spirit. 99% of what is going on in the Christian church today will continue to go on unabated without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because what's going on in the church today does not require the presence of God. It just requires human ingenuity, ambition, and planning. But there is a prophecy given in Acts, the second chapter. It was given by the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. It was then quoted by Peter at Pentecost. But it's clear in the reading of this prophecy, even though Peter said, Pentecost is the fulfillment now. It was not the latter rain. There is coming a pouring out of the Spirit of God beyond anything you or I can even begin to imagine. In preparation for that, I have spent now many years in fasting and prayer waiting before God and doing in ministry only what he tells me to do. Example, this radio broadcast. I have not tried to build a great church. I've not tried to go out in the flesh and cause some great work to occur. I know that is a useless course to pursue. Every plant that is not planted by Jesus will be pulled up and burned at the end of time, and that includes religious works. That includes churches. Let me read for you Acts, the second chapter. I begin in verse 17. And it will be in the last days, says God, I will pour out from my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even upon my men servants and upon my maid servants, 
I will pour out from my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy, and I will cause wonders in the heaven above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be transformed into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And it will be everyone, whosoever that may call for himself or herself on the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't care to and I'm not interested in working in the flesh. For the Lord told me he would accomplish more in one day than I could have accomplished in my entire life. I have given up all flesh work, and I am now only interested in waiting upon the coming of the Holy Spirit and the fulfillment of this prophecy for the work of the gospel because we have come to the very edge of eternity, and now is the time he promised he would pour out his Holy Spirit. Now, yesterday I shared with you the first installment by Dr. Edward Miller, what happened in the Argentine revival and how he prepared himself for the coming of the Holy Spirit. We all need to prepare ourselves. Forget about the church work. Forget about all the busyness. Forget about man's plans. Get on God's plan and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Not the kundalini spirit of of laughter and showing off and all that was involved with the Buddhist kundalini spirit that came in the so-called revival up in Canada, the laughing revival. That was just foolishness. This will be a serious call to repentance and to holiness. I read for you chapter 3 of Dr. Edward Miller's book. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. I will pour floods upon the dry ground. Isaiah 44.3 Invite the people to pray. I looked around me at the large congregation of Slavic-speaking folk. The long preliminary program had finally finished, and the pastor had announced that I would speak, and now the only word the Lord gave me was, invite the people to pray. What kind of message was that? But having begun some months before to walk the road of implicit obedience to what I felt was the word of the Lord, I obeyed the command, inviting the people to pray. Aside, do you understand why I'm reading this to you? I want you to see in one instance how the Holy Spirit worked. Now, he works differently in every situation. But I want you to see the utter futility of the human flesh and the glory of a God who can do anything. Nothing is impossible for our God. And we are going to see the impossible in the pouring out of his Holy Spirit, not his happy spirit, not his entertaining spirit, his Holy Spirit. I continue. Immediately, the people went down on their knees, and before I had time to realize what was happening, 
the Holy Spirit had begun to fall on the group of approximately 400. As they began to cry out, and several received the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, others, with cries of repentance, sought their way back to the cross. The pastor, astonished, wholly unaccustomed to these manifestations in his church, quickly rang a bell to call the people to order. Obediently, they became silent and took their seats again. And now boomed the pastor, notably perturbed in a deep commanding voice, Brother Miller will speak. But God had not changed his mind. So when I arose to speak, my words were these, Brethren, let's pray. Down on our knees the people went. No sooner had they begun to pray than the Holy Spirit again moved upon them. Others were filled with the Holy Spirit. The noise increased until the pastor, unable to tolerate any more deviation from the customary ultra-formalism and ritualism, rang his little bell and called the people to attention and soundly scolded them. They obeyed. The service was returned to me to preach the accustomed sermon. But God's sermon had still not changed. Brethren, God is here. Let us pray. Down on their knees they went for a third time. Again, the same process, the bell ringing, the scolding, the service returned to me, the repetition of the call to prayer, the people down on their knees again, the Holy Spirit outpoured. But the fourth time, there was no more bell and no more scolding. The Holy Spirit continued to move, apparently unoffended by the repeated interruptions. The pastor stood by observing until he himself was moved upon by the Holy Spirit and began to cry out to God. At last the pastor had understood that the people were not out of hand, but in God's hand. For hours great crying and groaning ascended. In terrible conviction some wrestled for pardon. Others shouted in mighty victory the praises of Zion and the Lamb. Others spoke in unknown tongues as they received the Holy Spirit promised by the Father. It was a holy jubilee. By the end of the week, nearly 200 had received the Holy Spirit. In another church in the capital of Buenos Aires, the same beautiful river of God began to flow, cleansing, healing, filling believers with the Holy Spirit, including several of the children of a missionary pastor and his praying wife. Doors were closed on that sultry summer night to protect unbelieving neighbors from the noise. Nevertheless, the cries and the praises passed through those closed doors as they ascended heavenward. I had a friend, pastor, at the Vineyard Church in Woodbridge. He was having dinner with my wife and myself and his wife, and some friends. I said to him, I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to come and disturb your church. 
He threw up his hands in horror and he said, Oh, no, don't do that, Pastor. The Holy Spirit came to our church. Everything was so disturbed. I grew so tired of praying for people. I finally asked the Lord to take the Holy Spirit away, and he did. I was brokenhearted. It was a short time after that as he went to gain his doctoral degree. I pleaded with him not to go for his doctorate, but to get on his face before God and repent. He refused. He laughed at me. We got a call from his wife. He had been in California at a seminary in a hotel room preparing to come back for holiday. And as he was talking to his wife, he dropped dead with a heart attack. It's a terrifying thing to stand between God and his church. We're going to see some amazing things happen in the coming days. We're going to see the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in great power. Not to make you or me somebody or something, but to lift up the name of Jesus. To magnify Jesus. And to cause men and women to repent. He he continues, this is Dr. Edward Miller, in a lumbering old train that crept bumping along on a solid 18 mile per hour, Brother Robert Thomas and I chugged northwards, our destination Paraguay, where the Lord had indicated his desire to bless. The second night of services, the river began to flow out in power to those poverty-ridden people of backward Paraguay. On the third night, a little timid Indian woman from the jungles came in. As she could only speak the Indian language, I could not converse with her before the service. It was impossible to even greet her in Spanish. Others had to interpret for me. But when the cloud of glory descended, this timid little Indian woman suddenly leapt to her feet. Charged with the glory of God, she began to speak freely and fluently in Spanish, foretelling what the Lord was going to do. She spoke in such a beautiful language that I thought for certain that the others had been joking about her not knowing Spanish. The Indian woman that said God wanted to baptize a certain brother with his spirit, but he would not lift his hands. The man still didn't lift them, so the woman suited according to words, not understanding what she was saying. Leaping over a bench to reach him, she grabbed his hands forcibly upward as he knelt lifting them over his head, and he immediately broke forth in other tongues as the Spirit of God baptized him. After the service, I went over to speak to her. Well, I guess you were fooling me. Now you can speak Spanish. She looked at me blankly as the people around her commented. Oh, she doesn't speak Spanish. 
In the spirit she had been speaking in other tongues, knowing nothing of what she'd been saying, even foretelling the coming of the Lord. Yet to us who understood every word she said, a wonderful prophecy had been given. A move of the Lord began in that land, which continued for months in the churches, up into the jungles, out into the colonies of European-speaking folk. Attending some of the services was a young lad, Slavic by birth, This was the first time he had seen such a move of God. I want this in my life, he determined. Two years later, he came to City Bell to participate in the revival move. There God had forged another link in his chain. What I want you to hear as I read this, God will come, and he will do what he wants to do. It's not up to you and me to finish the work of the gospel. It's up to the Holy Spirit to come and fill the vessels that are willing to be filled and to use us as he chooses. I'm so tired of trying to dig people out of the muck and mire of sin. I'll keep doing it. I'll do it on this radio broadcast. But, oh, I need the Holy Spirit to come and do things like this. And he will come, for nothing is impossible for our God. In the midst of the unfriendly jungle, hardy peasant folk from Europe had carved out cotton farms. They had known the moving of God in their homeland, but through the great trials of faith in coming to a new land and wresting homes and churches and farms from the hostile land with bare hands and limited tools, they had lost their first love for the Lord. To the elder ones, busy with farm and business, church was a necessary Sunday ritual. To the young people, church was a required habit. They attended in obedience to their parents who demanded it, but they came with laughter, mocking, and ridicule. They were known for their backslidden condition and their complete lack of interest in anything spiritual. Then one day, Christmas in 1950, the co-pastor and several of his members heard of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit among the Slavic-speaking folks in Buenos Aires. They went there to visit. Witnessing the glorious work of the Holy Spirit, especially among the young people, they were inspired to seek the Lord for themselves. Returning home, they shared firsthand the reports of the work of the Lord in the South, and a great hunger grew in the hearts of the people, and they began to seek the Lord. The Holy Spirit moved among them. The young people who had laughed and mocked began to come to the Lord. Do you hear why I'm I'm reading this? I'm, I'm trying to encourage you today to begin to seek the Lord with all your heart for the outpoured power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Give up the foolishness of this world and the foolishness of ritual worship. Stop. Seek the Lord. Cry out for the Holy Spirit. A young girl, the most backslidden of the backslidden, came to him in repentance and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Older eyebrows were raised. How can this be? 
the worst one of the whole church, and the, she's the first one to receive. But it spoke another message to the other young people. If God had forgiven and baptized the worst among them, then there was hope for all of them. And they began to seek earnestly. They felt themselves strangely drawn to seek the Lord. They who had come to church to laugh and mock. One young man, Alexander, known as the ringleader of mischief among the young people, had been standing at the church door making fun in a half-drunken state when suddenly he felt himself drawn irresistibly forward by a great wave of fire. Nearing the altar, he threw himself down. His laughter suddenly turned to mourning, to weeping, uncontrollably. In a moment's time, the course of his life was changed. He turned his back on sin and turned his face to seek the Lord. Soon God had filled him with the Holy Spirit. In the weeks that followed, he spent many night hours in the forest crying out to the Lord before going out to work in the cotton fields. He became a young man of prayer, a change so radical that his companions marveled. Several months later, the Lord called him to Bible school in City Bell. It was he whom the heavenly visitor had appeared. The conviction of the Holy Spirit fell upon the older folk one by one. They repented, going to their most bitter enemies to be reconciled after personal wars of ten years' standing. It was not uncommon when the spirit of weeping and repentance came over a person to see him go in humility to his most bitter enemy to be reconciled. This wave of revival lasted several months. Alexander from Chico, the Slavic lad from Paraguay, a young a young lady from Mendoza, the missionary's daughter from Buenos Aires, and others were brought together by the Lord in City Bell in 1951. It was there that the angel appeared, and we were all brought into his presence with strong intercession for three months. At the end of that time, a general conference was called. During one service, a young Italian man jumped to his feet, Backslidden for many months, he could not withstand the moving of the Spirit of the Lord. Standing up suddenly, he began to confess his coldness and backsliding. Other confessions followed as the spirit of repentance moved among the people. The dinner bell rang, but no one heeded it. The Spirit of the Lord began to convict each one of his own lack and need. One by one, confessions were made and relationships with the Lord were restored. Several missionary leaders, actively in discord with what the Spirit of the Lord was doing, stalked out proudly, angry at the turn of the meeting. In spite of resistance and refusal by some, the Spirit of the Lord continued to move, for many others were open and hungry, after the school term was over, the young people went out two by two to work for the Lord. Two boys went to a town where there had been a church for many years in the town, but was nearly empty. 
The Lord has sent us here, the boys told the startled missionary in charge. Come on in, she said, as she cordially received them. The boys went to their room to pray. The longer they prayed, the more the burden of the loss came upon them. Attending no services, yet they continued on in prayer, often walking the streets with tears, tears coursing down their cheeks as they prayed for the people. Then the Lord directed them to set up a gospel tent. The only one available was torn and unusable, so they began to mend it themselves. When it was ready, they set it up in a good location. Out of hearts broken and moved for the needs of the people, they began to minister. The Spirit of the Lord moved upon the townspeople who came, and they were wonderfully saved and healed. Soon the church was no longer empty. The same Holy Spirit which had moved in Mendoza, Buenos Aires, Paraguay, Chico, and City Bell was now moving out in the uns- to the unsaved in other parts of the country. Our hearts rejoiced, and we concluded that surely the Lord was beginning to fulfill the words of the promise given to us. City Bell. Then a strange, incomprehensible order came from the Lord. Retire from the field of battle. Go aside. Wait and pray. It was a difficult order. We had anticipated a rocket launching into a sudden overnight building of his kingdom, and now he was setting us aside into nothingness, into an apparent dismal failure. Yet in obedience to his command, we left City Bell and moved to another city. In the days of waiting and watching and praying, our faith was sorely tried. The fulfillment of the promises of the Lord was delayed, and many began to laugh and deride. Had God really spoken, it was obvious to them that he hadn't, for nothing was coming to pass of what he had promised, so they continued to mock. Many rejected the work God had done in City Bell, concluding that there must be something wrong, turning violently against those who believed in the promises. After all the wonderful things God had done, only a small band remained who really believed and kept the sayings, pondering them in their hearts. As months lengthened into years, Our only encouragement was that he who had made the promises was well able to perform them. During these quiet years of waiting, one event happened which brought courage to our heart. It was a definite confirmation of the word of God given to us during city bell days. I want to interrupt. This has been my story. Where the Lord has set me aside into seclusion without a large congregation, a little house church, and this radio broadcast, where my time is spent in fasting and prayer and waiting upon God, speaking a word, calling you to repent, calling you to seek God with all of your heart. I'm waiting on God to fulfill His promise that He made to me when I was just a child. And then again, as I was an adult, as he showed me in vision the fullness of the revival that he would bring to pass in Washington, D.C. 
and I'm scorned for that. People have said to me, Pastor, why don't you just forget it and just be a good pastor? Build up a great church. No, no thank you. No thank you. I want what the Holy Spirit has promised me. Accomplish more for the work of the kingdom in a day than I could accomplish in my whole lifetime. I want the kingdom of God built, but I don't want it built by an apostate human flesh church. I grew very weary of preaching in large congregations to thousands and recognizing that they were only spray-painted with Jesus, that at heart they were still just pagans. And I couldn't reach them. So now I preach. The Lord told me that for many years I would see no one that I was preaching to. I would hear a stirring once in a while. And that has been what has happened. And so now for many years, I've been in seclusion without a large church waiting on God. Will he do what he promised? Nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing is impossible for our God. He will do what he has promised, and he has promised to redeem his people. Foolish people say to me, pastors say to me, there's not going to be a revival before the rapture. Well, if there's not, there won't be a rapture because God's people aren't saved. The majority of God's people today are, are worldly people. They're not people filled with the Spirit. They're not people who are obedient to the commands of Jesus most have no repentance and no eagerness for the Holy Spirit and no hunger for Jesus. I'm even troubled by those close to me by, by their laid-back casual attitude. There has to be a change. I can come and preach about the moving of God in Revelation... I was even going to come on this week and preach some very straight sermons about sin. The Holy Spirit said, wait, no, they're not ready. Because I could preach those sermons and they'd be wasted. There would be no response. I wait on the Lord. I consider it a great honor and a great privilege to wait upon the Lord. I praise his holy name. I continue reading. Eva Peron shall tremble. She will see the thunder of my presence and fall upon her heart. She will tremble for she shall... 
she shall see me just as I am. And then one day the news leaked out throughout the country that Eva Peron was seriously ill. That beautiful but wicked, powerful but evil, adulterous and unrepentant one who ruled with her husband in a strong dictatorship and had made men tremble was stricken by the Lord. Now she would tremble. As the weeks went by, people learned that her illness was incurable. She was sent to the greatest hospitals, even making a secret trip to a famous hospital in New York City. But all to no avail. Leukemia, that terrible cancer of the blood, rampaged through her beautiful body. Inflexibly, the words of God were coming into fulfillment. She fought hard to live, but in spite of money and influence, youth, and all that her spiritist friends could do, she sank lower and lower. Eva Peron, the one who had become an ardent spiritist, was taking the country into open spiritualism, was inexorably drawn down into a terrible, rebellious death, screaming for life, tearing out her beautiful hair in bitter rage. Nonetheless, death took her into the presence of the divine judge. She saw him as he is. And she trembled. After the glorious months of the visitation of God in Mendoza, after the moving of the Spirit among the churches in Argentina and Paraguay, after the Spirit-led days of City Bell, we were all set aside to do nothing but wait, watch, and pray. The days of waiting were difficult. The silence of the Lord, after the abundant messages He had given, sorely tried our faith. It was the hardest time of all. It was comparatively easy to receive the promises in faith, but we found the time of patient waiting for their fulfillment far more difficult. The times and seasons of God were in His hands alone. And He told us to wait. Over two years went by. Over two years went by. I can tell you today, the hardest thing I do is to wait upon God. But I wait with joy. I wait with a happy spirit. I wait in complete faith. I have won the battle over the devil, the flesh, and the world. Our God, nothing is impossible for our God. As my wife and I had our time of worship this morning, I said to her, so many times in the past, I have prayed and it seemed as though heaven was shut up, closed. It seemed like God did not hear or care. But through the years of waiting and watching, I learned a very valuable lesson. 
to not be discouraged or dissuaded from praying simply because there was not an immediate answer. I have learned to rest in the word of God and in the promises of God. I have learned that when God finally moves, he moves with one great sweep of his hand and everything is done and what he has promised comes to pass. There have been times when I have not had the money for food or shelter and I have been before the Lord waiting and watching, being tested and tried, when suddenly he speaks and suddenly he provides and suddenly it's all done. There have been times when there has been no money to pay the radio bill and I've gone before the Lord And I've given the broadcast to him again, making certain that there was nothing of my flesh involved in doing the broadcast, that it was strictly for Jesus, and asking him if he would provide. And it seemed like he didn't even hear. It seemed like heaven was as still, not a whisper. And then suddenly, all the money would come. I've watched this happen so many times. And finally, God spoke to me. And he said to me, wait upon the Lord. A pause. He said, the Lord will carry you through. From the time he's spoken that to me until today, I've not had to do an offertory for the radio. He has covered it every time. He has moved in the hearts of men and women. He's moved in your hearts. And you have given, and the radio has been covered. My personal expenses, I continue to praise him and worship him for carrying me. But in a time when there seems no possibility to be carried, he carries me. And now my cry is not for provision for me. I don't take for granted the provision. I thank him for it. And I thank him for the provision for radio. And I even gently remind you of the need for that. But the focus of my prayer now is for the coming of the Holy Spirit and for the Lord God of heaven to minister to the needs of very specific people, whether it be for sickness or whether it be a hard heart that needs to be broken, 
whether it be casualness and worldliness that needs to be removed. I now pray and intercede for the people the Lord puts before me. And I now cry out for the Lord to come in great power according to the 11th chapter of Luke. I stand by faith that God will do what he has promised he would do. I'm not going to turn to the left or to the right. Ridicule will not break my heart. Scorn will not stop me. Revival is coming to Washington. The Lord has promised, and nothing is impossible for our God. Even though I see no sign of it in the skies and I see no sign of it in the churches, I see no sign of it on the radio. Barely anyone even listens or watches a handful. Nothing is impossible for our God. (laughs) I stand by faith on the word of God. His promises are sure and they will not fail. And I ask you, would you join together with me and cry out to the Lord for revival for his people to be called to repent and for the pagan to be called to repent? for the church to be broken in repentance and humility before Almighty God. Will you pray for the coming of the Holy Spirit? For nothing is too hard for our God. Lord, I come today to praise you, to worship you, to say glory, power, honor, all belong to your name, Jesus. Nothing is too hard for you. I wait now for the fulfillment of this promise in Acts, the second chapter. Lord, there are men, erudite men, who say, Oh, this this chapter is not meant for now. It was meant for Pentecost. Lord, I don't care what they say. I only know what you say. And you said you're going to do this again. And Lord, I stand by faith. It will be done. You will redeem your people. You will not let Satan sweep your church away in total apostasy. You will come in mighty power for your people. Lord, thank you. I worship you, Jesus. For I know that nothing is too hard for my God. My God reigns over heaven and earth. My God reigns. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, I'd love to hear from you. If the Lord is prompting you to give, you are welcome to write. Or if you want to just write and share your testimony or prayer requests, I read everything you send. Write to Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's 22195. I am so excited about Jesus. 
I am so excited about Jesus and what he's about to do. You are going to be absolutely astonished at his love and his mercy and his power. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you, Dirk. Thank you, each one of you who is so kindly given. Thank you. And it will be in the last days, says God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even upon my men servants and upon my maid servants, I will pour out from my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy, men and women. Men and women. And I will cause wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be transformed into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord. And it will be everyone, whosoever that may call for himself or herself on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon the name of the Lord. Nothing is impossible for our God. I'll talk to you soon. I love you, my brother, my sister. Thank you for listening. Pass it on to a friend. And if you would, go sign up with subscription for our YouTube channel. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.